Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. This is the podcast that brings you the greatest innovation change makers in the world of insurance and insure tech. We speak to innovation leaders from carriers and brokers. We speak to insure tech founders and C-suite executives. And we bring you all of the people that add value to that community, whether it be private equity, venture capitalists, or even people like organizational psychologists and thought leaders and futurists. We try really hard to bring you the most innovative people in the world of insurance on a global basis. So with that in mind, we'd love your support. So please like, share, follow or subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Alex Bond. Welcome to the Leadership Insurance Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by FinPro. FinPro is a leading insurtech specialist recruitment business that operates on a global basis. We have delivered assignments across North America, throughout Europe and into Asia. We are super excited to speak to anyone who has some recruitment challenges that is either starting or scaling a business. And we're confident we can help you find the people to help you innovate the world of insurance one new hire at a time please visit our website, www.wearefinpro.com for more information. Good morning and welcome to the Leadership Insurance Podcast. Uh, Today's episode of the podcast is something a little bit different from our uh, sort of usual weekly conversation. Um, In this episode, we brought together some leading insurtech specialists to discuss the insurtech trends of 2022. Um, It's kind of a half year report is what we're looking for. So, you know, last year was a record breaking year for insurtech. Global VC investment in insurtech grew from 1.8 billion in 2016, all the way through to $10.5 billion in the first three quarters of 2021 alone. Um, VCs bundled something like 2.7 billion uh, euros into European insurtech startups in 2021 minting six unicorns, uh, including Marshmallow and Tractable. And the insurance industry has responded well to the pandemic. It's it's currently at a cusp of significant growth, and there's so much in the way of transformation opportunities out there. Um, Now we're six months into 2022. Um, We wanted to look back at the trend predictions made at the start of the year, um, discuss their accuracy and, and what we've seen so far, as well as going into what's still to come or what's evolved out of this year alone. Um, at the beginning, there was lots of speculation in what defined industry trends would be this year. Um, we looked at various predictions laid out by leaders and picked some of the highlights, which we'll reflect on today. Um, and, and just for our guests and, and, and people listening in, you know, we, we took this from various sources. So there's not one source, but sort of in trends, we looked at um, the rise of embedded insurance, Um, climate change and sustainability uh, to become key topics within insurance, Uh, drones and robotic insurance technology, Um, increased adoption of health health tech wearables, Um, data first insure tech ecosystems, and then the growth of low code slash no code insurance technology platforms. Uh, Now I'm conscious that all of those are in a podcast in themselves, um, but we're just going to you know, get some thoughts, uh, get some updates, see what we think is kind of really immersive as trends. Um, and um, b- before I do that, let's get some genuine experts in uh, to talk about that. Um, it'd be great if you um, guys could introduce yourselves to those uh, that might be at home, because we've got four kind people that have joined us. 
Um, and we've already done this in rehearsal, so we're going to be seamless at this now. So, Mark, would you uh, please uh, introduce yourself and, and, and the business you work for? Yeah, many thanks, Alex. So, hi, everyone. My name is Mark McDonald. I'm head of InsureTech Strategy for Altus Consulting. So, Altus Consulting, we're an independent specialist consultancy focused on strategic, operational and technology change in the insurance industry, working with clients across personal, commercial and specialty lines here in the UK. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, Danthana, it would be kind of you, you've been a guest on here before, so it'd be kind of you to uh, uh, reintroduce yourself to our, to our audience, that'd be great. Thank you. Uh, my name is Jantana and I'm one of the co-founders at Tapley Insurance on Tap. We are one of the few first um, on-demand insurance provider for the gig economy and we also provide technology solutions for insurance industry. Thank you. Um, and just because of the way I'm orientated on my screen, uh, David, if you'd be so kind as to uh, reintroduce yourself to the, the audience as well. Thanks, Alex. Uh, David Fontaine, uh, co-founder and CEO of Foresight Commercial Insurance. We are an insurtech, workers' comp insurtech that focuses on core industries, uh, construction, manufacturing and agriculture across the United States. Thank you. And, and, and Matt, I can't, I can't believe we've not had you on the podcast before, but we haven't. So Matt, if you'd be kind enough to introduce yourself as well. Uh, hello, Alex. Thanks for having me on. Um, so Matt Connolly, founder and CEO of Sonar. We are a market scouting and open innovation platform. So we track millions of uh, startups and scale-ups around the world. And we help our clients who are all insurance companies uh, better understand market trends and who the companies are that are shaping those trends. Wonderful. Well, thank you all. And um, yeah, Matt, we'll probably stay with you, actually, uh, mainly because I think about two hours before this, uh, we started recording this podcast, it announced that you were going to be um, partnering with uh, Lloyd's Lab and helping them kind of scout some of their new new people for the lab. So congratulations. That's quite an exciting partnership. Um, thank you. I, I wanted to start with you because Sonar is specifically built to look at innovation and incoming trends. Um, so not wanting to put you on the spot in terms of kind of <laughs> what's, uh, what's happening, but I wonder if you might make a sort of generalised comment on, on what's happening now as opposed to what was happening at the start of the year in terms of kind of trends, if there's any specific themes that, um, you know, whether your subscribers or clients are kind of really kind of interested in now that, that they weren't interested in at the start of the year. Yeah, I think so. Um... And what I'm about to sort of enter into is probably, as you alluded to earlier, it's like a probably podcast in itself. Um, but I think there's a couple of things. So, so the way that you previously dissected the trends coming into 2022 is, is very much kind of sort of broken them up by segment. But if I, if I kind of take it up a layer even, you know, what we, where we started the year to where we're at now is, is whilst kind of COVID for many is um, somewhat suppressed and, and the UK we're sort of blindly ignoring the fact that COVID is still around and, you know, it's only just traveling. I'm currently in Singapore, you know, where we're actually, it's mandatory to wear a mask here, there and everywhere. And you realize it's still sort of very um, prevalent. But it's, I think more, more than COVID is, is actually just the state of the economy. So I've just been um, uh, in, the, in, in the States, in fact, Alex, we, we caught up there. But from when we, when we met up, went down to Philadelphia and joined uh, Guy Carpenter, who had a, uh, a guest speaker um, in, who was talking about the state of the economy. And he was presenting facts, figures, and slideware, which really just screams kind of economic downturn, right? And, and we've been reading about it, we've been hearing about it. So, so actually, you know, when we talk about the numbers invested into InsureTech last year, the number of deals, the, the totals in terms of billions, whether European market or global market, I think actually the, the most um, overarching theme will be 
just how difficult will it be for insurtech to raise capital like they did last year um where that money will be coming from and what they will need to be uh, evidencing to be getting that capital and, and i think that that will change the market um substantially you know it'll, it'll change behaviors there was someone on stage um i was listening to a, a panel discussion where uh, she was lady leading a, a venture capital firm and she was saying to her cohort and um, think of this as your uh, your last round you know how are you going to how are you going to turn a profitable business um, and i thought that's fascinating right you know because these lots of these businesses have been sinking enormous amounts of capital in um into their growth um and, and building a strategy for that so so if, if that isn't available to them um then how will that change the industry? So, so I think, you know, less money out there, it will certainly from a insurance company perspective mean that there will be much more laser focus on who they are choosing to work with and a lot more concentrated effort on making sure they have either the right investment acquisition partnerships. Um, and then probably back to the acquisitions point, I think we're going to see a lot more M&A um, over the next, next six months as well um, from incumbents as well as cap, well-capitalized uh, insurtechs buying other smaller insurtechs. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. And that's definitely something that resonates with the conversations I've been having. Um, you know, we do a lot of work with venture capital markets and, and, and working with their portfolios. And, and certainly the, the, the sort of general theme appears to be, you know, be leaner, um, you know, make sure your runway lasts if you have to cut, cut. And sadly, we've seen that. We've already seen people kind of um, not, not growing and, in fact, getting rid of uh, people at the moment. Um, uh, and there's a, there's an argument that it's a correction, um, and and some of that should be seen as being good, I think. Um, but but then also, it's, I I wonder about that, that economic environment dictates a different business strategy. Like if you're raising money in an environment where you can go from round to round to round, then then that, it is okay to lean into that. But the, the the difference is now, if you were presenting a deck now, you would have to have a different strategy. And and I think we're already seeing more growth in kind of SaaS really discrete solutions for carriers and things like or, or, or the industry um so yeah definitely something that we've reflected on um david i wonder if i might jump to you because it kind of relates to you know the, the conversation we've just had you know you raised a, a very significant um round i think it was 39 million dollars was it the start of 2022 or was it 21 into 22 it was october 21 yeah and, and going into 22 i wondered you know, if you'd reflect on where you were talking to investors, what their interests were, what they were digging into at that time, and, and whether whether you think that would be a very different conversation now and, and, and how you would approach that. Um, because you're in quite a unique position in that you've got a sort of SaaS proposition part of the business and, and you're a risk-carrying, you know, MGA part of the business as well. I, I, think, I think you're in a sort of unique position to comment. Do you think it would be a very different conversation now? Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely echo a lot of uh, Matt's sentiment from, you know, what we're seeing in the market over here in the United States. A lot of VCs are, and venture capitalists are basically uh, being a lot more cautious with their checkbooks and uh, we're not seeing the amount of deals that we saw at the end of last year. Um, <clears throat> I think for, for which is, for insurtech is, uh, is troublesome because, you know, any kind of regulated industry like banking or insurance, it's uh, they generally go hand in hand with being capitally intensive, um, and so we're go we're going to see a lot. I'd say you know with the with a lot of uh, money with 
the shortage of money being in the system, we're going to be seeing a lot less innovation and a lot more M&A. Um, so I definitely would, would echo Matt's sentiment in, in what, you know, what we're seeing in the market over here. Um, we did raise a decent amount of money in October and, um, you know, we, however, comparative to other insured techs in our space that, you know, we, we're certainly not one of the, the larger ones in the, in the, in the commercial insurance space. You know, our multiplier on our amount of written premium was relatively modest when you consider some other insured techs that, that we're getting 10x, 15x, 50x on um, amounts of written premium and really not paying attention to margins and um, loss ratios. Um, so we, you know, we like to think we've always taken the approach of being um, part of the second wave of insured tech, which is about sustainable growth. And I think that, that, that mission of uh, sustainable growth through having profitable loss ratios, having, having positive margins um, and working your way through to profitability, uh, having like a clear path through to profitability rather than growth at all costs, let's fund the marketing machine and, and capture as much as we can. Um, I think that strategy leans itself more towards a downturn climate. You know, you, you, you're, able to, you're able to show investors sustainable margins, sustainable growth. Um, and so I think insurtechs that are focusing on that will have a better chance. Do I think it's going to be easy? No, I definitely don't think it's going to be easy. I think that over the next 12 months, we're probably going to see the worst of it um, before we start seeing, you know, all the analyst reports that I've been reading is saying this is at least 12 to 18 months. Um, we're looking at this kind of climate. And so, um, you know, if, if, if I was an insure tech that's struggling to, you know, that, that's struggling to raise money, I'd be thinking about, you know, I would be thinking about M&A and thinking about who I, who I can merge with, who, you know, how you can partner up and how you can potentially pivot, change your business model to uh, require less capital if you're going to need a lot of capital over the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, thank you. And, 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 and like I say, I think, I think that's what we've seen. In, in, in many respects, do you think that's a... It's not positive because I think, as I mentioned before, I think it's been a bit unfair because if you've built a, a sort of growth strategy based on kind of leaning into what's happened previously, you might build one which requires you to kind of go off the market share and it's a different approach. Um, has that, but is it more kind of, I feel like it's more prudently insurance now because some of the valuations we were seeing were valuing things as if they were pure tech plays, but they weren't tech plays. They were essentially you know, digital MGAs and therefore valuing it as a tech business is never going to work because you can't run away from loss ratios because that's, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was some, the, there's some interesting, there's some interesting dynamics there. So I think it's, you know, there, there are, there are digital MGAs out there that aren't risk bearing entities. Right. And so the, the, loss, the loss ratio is still relevant because like it still affects their carrier partners and their risk partners, but in terms of their profitability, it, it won't affect their bottom line. Uh, it will in the long term because that will it will catch up to them, right? Like they'll, they'll you'll lose support, program support. Um, if for for other MGAs that are risk bearing like us, then you know, it obviously those those fundamentals do do matter more. But where you know how I can see how how a lot of insurance techs were able to raise these sizable amounts, and that is that you can you can sort of you know you, you take the the round peg square hole analogy, right? You can take a insure tech digital MGA business and put SaaS metrics around it. So you can make it look very much like a high growth SaaS company. And you can kind of jam that into the, you know, SaaS high growth investor and get those, those you know, SaaS, um, those traditional SaaS venture backed valuations. And so I think that's, that's where a lot of this is coming from. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some some that have that have done very well out of that. Um, however, it's it is still insurance that you're right. You still you still have to pay attention to your loss ratio and your margins, um, just like any other business. And so I think that that is going to catch up. That that's that strategy is going to catch up with a lot of people this year. Mm-hmm. And, and John Tarner, I wonder what your thoughts are because you you raised money in 2018. Um, you've been you've been in the industry. You know a, a, that makes you an insure tech veteran. I think like uh, that's 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 the thing. So, what does that kind of mean for you, strategy wise? Is it kind of reassuring to see that there's a return to kind of core principles? Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, yes, I think. Um... To be honest, we were very lucky to start our business when the market wasn't as flat as it is now. And the fact that we are in the middle of the uh, hot market make, make it harder for, you know, kind of smaller size insure tech company like ourselves or other insurance intermediaries to kind of be in this market. Um, but, you know, it's very encouraging to see there's more money being pouring into this um, industry. We can do with more. To be honest, um, and certainly I think technology-driven solutions uh, and uh, digital MGA will be the trend going forward. Um, purely because you know, like the industry is screaming for operational efficiency, they're screaming for scalability, they're screaming for continuity. Um, so I think you know, the um, any MA strategy would. Um, evolve around this. Profitability comes naturally when you have all of this in place. But of course, with the new kind of, you know, like embedded insurance um, uh, of a, and other alternative distributions that currently um, uh, happening in our uh, space will bring different um, product and technology solution, no doubt. And that's very exciting for us, you know, in InsurTech to keep up with. Um, but nevertheless, certainly, you know, like in the insurtech arena, um, having that kind of data-centric insurtech solution that allowed uh, insurance company to build the ecosystem is very, very important. And that's basically what we have been building and what we are going to continue to expand our platform. Thank you. And Mark, just, I think that's a really good point to bring you in because I think where you work in the consultancy business, you're, you're bringing some of the, a lot of that innovation to carriers, brokers, the industry, and but obviously at the point of implementation. So we've gone past ideation, innovation, and, and now you guys are helping them to kind of, unless I've mischaracterized it, so please correct me, but my <laughs> understanding is that, you know, you, you've, we've got the idea and now we're actually, you guys are coming in to help make it happen. Yeah. Um, I just got, wanted to get your thoughts on if, if what you're being sort of requested of, um, what's kind of, um, you know, the perspective of perspective of ideas versus what being implemented, is there a mismatch there between what's being talked about in the industry as trends to what people are actually requesting? Um, are, are you seeing that reflected back? I think that's a really interesting question, Alex. Um, certainly, I think just to pick up on points that Matt Davis and Tana have made, you know, it's going to be, it feels like it's going to be a tougher year, but there is definitely that focus around operational efficiency. Regards sort of insurtech solutions and how they're being implemented. Um, I think just going on to one of the, one of the things for me has been about seeing incumbent insurers and particularly the clients that we worked with really becoming more interested in some of the uh, solutions that are out there in the market. 
and looking at how they can integrate those in an effective way into their existing estates, be that through changes in their core technology up to um, integration uh, platforms and so on that they're, they're implementing. So I do think the focus there has been around, okay, there's a lot of technology out there with providing some very interesting solutions to the market, into the customers that are out there in the market, but how do we get those to happen is, the, is one of the questions I think we're being asked. Yeah. Yeah, because it, 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 it's one of those things that, that, that I'm very conscious of. So we we started focusing on purely on InsureTech as a business at FinPro like three years ago. Yeah. Before that, we've been more broadly insurance. And uh, we've seen the kind of influence of innovation teams change. Mm. Um, very small, sort of non-centralized, non-supported parts of the business. Yeah. Now, some people have much more significant budgets. They have investment. They might have kind of even some underwriting sort of uh, capacity to put to that as well. Um, that kind of culture has changed. Um, is that the kind of trend that you've seen? Kind of, you know, does, has it changed in terms of who you're integrating with on the business? Is, is, is it getting that top-down support it needs to kind of happen? Yeah, I'd say so, certainly from some of the, the conversations I've been having over the past six, 12 months. I think there is that, you're absolutely right, Alex, where you say there's this shift from having those innovation teams out on the side, out on the edges, trying to do the um, elements of the cool stuff, but not really being listened to properly by, by certainly some of the, um, the more uh, traditional elements of those, those um, insurers. So, yeah, I agree. I think there's definitely a that's coming now into the into the forefront of the thinking. What I've really seen is very interesting over the last six to 12 months has been that integration of core technology solutions into um, the core insurance products of some of these insurers, rather than just seeing innovation on the side and in some of the minor products. Yeah, I completely, completely see that. That's exactly what we're seeing on our side in terms of what we're being asked for talent-wise. And talent's a bit of a bellwether for what's actually practically happening. Um, Matt, I wonder if I might bring you in again at this point, um, and I will bounce around. We won't just go around circle on this one. <laughs> just take take turns, pass the parcel on the conversation. But but I do think um, you know, what, what, reflecting on those kind of key topics, um, embedded has been the thing that's been. You've been yeah, man, it's <laughs> got to be embedded, right? I don't know what the question is, but the answer is probably embedded. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we had all of these predictions, you know, uh, climate change and sustainability being key topics. I still think clinically it's still a topic. It's not really being addressed. I think there's some really cool businesses being built around it, but I wouldn't say... Was that not about climate change? Sorry, I missed that. Yeah, the climate you think change. climate change, yeah. Sustainability being a key topic. But yeah, for sure. It's being sort of talked about rather than acted on. I think embedded is, is, is on an absolute tidal wave. Um, yeah, robotic insurance technology, wearables, data-first insurance ecosystems, and growth of low-code, no-code technology platforms. Um, for me, the things I've practically seen have been the low-code, no-code growth, and um, in terms of offerings, and and then the uh, and then obviously embedded. Um, but I'm very conscious that I sit on the side of working with insurtechs now, and every insurtech will tell you, oh, "This is changing the world, and this is what's going to happen, and we've got momentum." I think the, the magic source is where, where the integration comes with the traditional industry and saying, well, actually, are they supporting it? And I wondered if your kind of eyes and ears that you have at Sonar reflecting on those sort of predictions, what's actually been the thing that people have been very interested in finding out more about or engaging with from your side? 
Yeah. Um, so yes, absolutely. So so our client base, and um, probably similar to Mark's, um, you know, we work with the insurance companies, right? So the, the insurers, the reinsurers, the brokers out there. And so when I'm answering that, I'm, I'm coming from a perspective of um, how they are transforming, evolving, adapting, innovating their businesses, right? So if we, if we boil that, um, excuse the kind of the, uh, the strategy 101 uh, basics, but, you know, if we boil that down, it's that their route to innovation is, is buy, build, or partner. Right. It's a little bit more complex than that, but but effectively, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those three routes, but that doesn't get away from uh, the trends that we're seeing. Right. So so they're either they're, they're what we're helping them understand. And, and there's lots of stuff that, you know, you you pull these trends together from uh, various sources, um, as I understand it as well, is 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 we're able to um, we're able to cut the data of tracking millions of companies into better understanding where tons of money is being put into, right? So that's, that's how we kind of draw our top line trend analysis. So where, where are our investments going? And then what we look at is uh, the shape and size of those investments. So if it's really late stage, so kind of series B and, and beyond, then maybe just maybe that's a trend that is actually here today, tomorrow. But if it's really early stage, so series A and below, then maybe that's five, 10 years out, right? So, so actually what's really interesting is, you know, we've got some uh, clients that we work with. So, you know, for example, uh, generally, we did a, a great interview with um, uh, with, with one of their team in, in our quarterly report, looking at the world of embedded, and, and he was really open and sharing about how uh, they are looking at it both as a as a threat to their business, but also and more importantly, the the huge opportunity that it exists for them, right? And you know, and and again, you know, calling back to a couple of weeks back in um, in New York with you, Alex, um, you know, seeing Rob Shimek from Boltec. You know who is an American guy out in is he in Singapore? I think he's out this way, isn't he? Somewhere. Um, uh, you know who who launched a business in twenty twenty. They just had their second anniversary. They're worth over a billion dollars already, and they are doing crazy numbers on the embedded. I mean, it's it's exciting. You know, seeing a business like that is is just. I mean, it's it's a unicorn you know, not in a kind of, you know, uh, valuing from a billion dollar valuation perspective, but it's just that there are very few of our, uh, uh, of very few of these types of businesses. But I think embedded is a, um, is a trend that gets a lot of our clients excited. And I think mainly because it's changing the competitive landscape so significantly. Um, so diving into that a little bit more, sorry, I believe, and I've been hogging the, uh, the stage and answering this one. So we might need to cut, cut it down slightly is, um, is, Traditionally, company A would look over their shoulder and see company B and C, right? And then it was about five years ago, this kind of narrative, this rhetoric of like, disrupt or die, startups, insurtechs are coming, you know, to steal your lunch. And, you know, and then sort of five years later, actually what we worked out is sort of 98% of all insurtechs are actually enablers as opposed to challengers, right? They're not the full stack um, kind of steal your lunch. They are designed to work with you to advance your business and then uh, what we have now is we've got a market where it's like all oh, right so startups aren't a threat they're an enabler great let's work with those guys oh hang on what's what's that over there and then what that over there is 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 you know it's the likes of the big tech the amazons and the googles and the or it's the retailers the non-traditional um players right so it's, it's the e-commerce giants or it's the banks or the and and suddenly they're reframing uh, and reshaping insurance as we know it 
I mean, that's so exciting, right? So from a distribution play, it offers a huge opportunity if these insurance companies can get in on that. But equally, what a threat to the market if they don't. Um, and so, yeah, so Embedded is definitely one. Other clients doubling down on the world of, uh, of climate change and sustainability. You know, again, a, a company I was on the panel with, um, what are they called, ISI. You know, I mean, they're, they're sending up satellites on SpaceX rockets, right? And so, so sometimes it's buy, build a partner, and you partner because they're an enablement technology equally partnered because well we're never going to be building satellites and sending them from space x rockets right so actually partnering with insurtechs because they're simply doing stuff we will never do as an insurance company super interesting right but really big in the climate space yeah and then i'm, I'm with you on the um i, I kind of maybe jump a couple of the uh the trends because you know they're a little bit kind of obvious kind of you know well-trodden type thing i mean in the most sort of respectful way I can say, but I think adoption of kind of health wearables, we've seen a load of stuff really looking at the um, sort of data driven um, stuff. So not just wearables, but maybe like genetics. I, I find that fascinating. Like there's a startup out there, um, I can't think of their name, but before you even have a child, a couple can look at uh, the genetic makeup of their child to understand the risk of illness that that, that child might have. I mean, like, that's terrifying stuff, right? Um, equally, uh, sort of AI detection from a health perspective, as we give all of our data away and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, super interesting. And then low code, no code. Yeah, so businesses like you know, like Genesis, um, like others out there, yeah, storming it in the market. So, I think I mean, there's tons of stuff, and it really depends on where where companies are focused, what their core business propositions are, and how they're approaching um, the insured tech space. But over the next five, ten years, I think we're going to see more change than we have um, for the last hundred. I really do. I think it's the, the market really will transform and it will be the, the divergence in performance lines between those who take innovation seriously and those who don't will be the, um, uh, will be the most fascinating for me from, a, from an insurance perspective. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think, thank you for that, Matt. I, I, think, um, I think you're right. And um, I think the conversation around the early stage of insurtechs, the insurtechs are coming, they're going to fill your lunch, exactly, was the narrative. Um, because people were positioning it that like it was easy to raise a billion-dollar balance sheet and then you could just go and compete with the big boys. And we all know that that simply isn't true. So, um, and, and when you do, there's been some slightly disastrous um, yeah, IPOs and shareholding situations that have happened. So I think now when you look at the, the state of the play now, it's like, right, okay, how do we how do we help these carriers become the modern insurers we want them to be? How, and they're, they're asking the same questions. So I think, I think the difference in sentiment was more kind of, you know, characterise it as this kind of annoying startup community saying we're going to take over and now saying, oh, actually, every conversation I have now is about how do we partner with the insurance industry? Um, David, I wonder if I might bring you in on that, because I think that's a, that's a really interesting point that, you know, the way that you've structured your business um, the way that you've gone about that is, is technology with good underwriting, you know, risk, the risk carrying element as well. Um, it, does that echo with kind of your sentiment of, of, of the evolution of the insurance industry um, is an evolution rather than kind of a revolution as well as, as probably it was pitched previously? Yeah, I think so. I think that there's, a, you know, there's a reason why a lot of these incumbent businesses have been around for hundreds of years um and you know they eventually have to adapt if they get too challenged so I, you know I, I feel like it is certainly evolutionary um in what we're seeing you know there's still there will be there will be some i'd say some rising stars 
yeah, there will be some insure texts out there that, that are risk bearing um, and do make it through to be to be successful public companies um, and challenge traditional incumbents. But then there'll be other incumbents that, that, that we, you know, that will adapt and we, we see them adapting now. You know, you go to a lot of the InsureTech events over here uh, in, in, the, in the United States anyway, and there is, I'd say, mostly um, incumbents out there looking how they can work with InsureTechs to uh, involve the business. Like, I don't think there's, um, I think if you go back five years ago, maybe maybe longer, there was a lot of incumbents that were naive to InsureTech and they thought it was just going to be a little blip. Um, but that slowly became a, um, a factor of day, daily life for, for everyone in this industry. And so um, I think we're, we're going to see a lot more, there's going to be a lot more evolution and there's going to be a lot more incumbents looking to work with InsureTechs and um, looking to uh, you know, evolve their business model. I think embedded's a great example of that. I feel like that's 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 one that's a no-brainer for a lot of these incumbents to uh, to embrace. Mm-hmm. And 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 talking about partnerships as well, because essentially what we're looking at is technology partnerships or, or MGA digital MGA partnerships. The partnerships are various different levels, and I think that's the collaboration aspect of, of, of that. As that's the thing I'm noticing a greater trend on. You know, I'm I'm having conversations where it was always with VCs or insurtechs, and now we're sort of talking to innovation leads and and you know innovation officers and and various different people, and and kind of that's been proactive reach out from the traditional incumbent market. Um, what does kind of partnership mean in the context of a business like yours? Um, you know, because the, the challenge is once you become risk bearing, you, you you're underwriting, you're, you're up and running. Um, someone made this point when I was at ITI the other week was that you have to kind of keep evolving yourself as a business to be at the forefront. So, you know, do you look to technology providers out there and insure techs to do partnerships on things like whether it be claims or risk analysis or whatever's relevant to you? Um, is that something you see in the future for yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. You can't do, you know, for, you can't do everything well, right? Like you can't go out there and, um, you know, we work with a lot of construction companies and a big, Big, big mistake construction companies generally tend to make is, hey, I'm going to make my own project management software because, you know, I can build buildings, why can't I build software? And then they find out it's really hard and they end up spending a bunch of money and then going and get something off the shelf. Mm-hmm. Similar with insurance companies, you know, there's so many moving parts in an insurance entity when you consider underwriting, data science, claims, risk management, um, that you, there's just a thousand moving parts. And so we know what we're really, I think the key for, for a successful insurtech is figuring out what you're really good at and what your core, what 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 core innovation are you delivering? Like where, what, is, what is the main efficiency gain you're delivering with your technology? Focusing on that and then looking to other vendors and other, other insurtechs and other service providers that, that do other pieces of the puzzle um, a lot better than what you can and partner. So yeah, we partner we partner with a lot of different insurtechs on a range of different things from claims. We, you know, there's multiple services we use in our claims handling. There's multiple um, insurtechs we partner with on our data science and our model predictive modeling. Um, you know, we 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 it's it's generally a combo for us of in-house and um, partnerships. And so we wouldn't be here if we weren't able to, you know, even, even our, even um, our carrier, our paper is, um, is, is an insure tech technically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think, I think that's, um, it's one of the beauties of insurance insurance is that there's a lot of room for innovation. Um, there's a lot of moving parts and um, there's a lot of good companies out there that they can, you can build great businesses just off one piece of the puzzle, mm-hmm. um, which is, which is pretty awesome. 
Yeah. No, I, Alex, may I, may I jump in with a question for David? I, I mean, I appreciate you're the host. But David, I'd be really Please. interested, um, just, just out of, um, from a market perspective, and feel free if it's sensitive information, not obviously to give any of this away. But your raise last year, so it was a, of, a, of a decent decent size, decent whack, was part of that raise for you guys to be, to be looking at M&A activity in terms of your kind of growth strategy? It might, might be too early for that, I'm not sure. It's, it's, you know what, it's, it's not, it wasn't. Like for us, it was really putting um, the foot to the floor on, we, we developed this really great underwriting model and, and uh, we, we were seeing some fantastic results with, with our portfolio in terms of uh, claims mitigation and claims reduction. And so it really was putting the, um, it's, and we, are, we it's still the same strategy. We haven't modified our strategy at all. It's still market acquisition and expansion. So um, we're licensed in eight states at the moment in in the United in the southwest of the United States. We're looking to push across the country this year and early and into early next year. So um, for us, it was really pouring fuel on the fire, so to speak. Um, but you know, who knows what's going to happen over the next twelve months? There's a lot of there's I think, and this is speaking from an investor perspective. There's going to be a lot of great value deals out there. There's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of great deals, and so you know, for us, there may be the right insured tech that maybe we're we're partnering with at the moment. Maybe that becomes an opportunity for us to potentially look at an M and A play. Um, I wouldn't say that you know anything's off the cards, um, but I think for from a, I think this just goes out to any the the investors out there. I feel like there's insured tech. There's just going to be uh, a lot of great companies that have got great ideas that the valuations are going to be a lot more reasonable. Um, you know, over the next 12 months. So I would expect like, you know, as you were saying earlier on the podcast, I feel like there's definitely going to be a lot of m activity coming over the next 12 to 18 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that sentiment's definitely echoed in, in, in conversations I've been having because the, the money's not going away. You know, the, the money isn't going away, but it's just going to be reinvested in probably a smaller pool of businesses or, or good, good businesses, uh, good business plans. Um, so yeah, and and uh, Gentana, you and I, uh, cool, congratulations, you just won a technology award, didn't you? With your business, um, Tapley, Tapley just won an award. I, I forgive me, I haven't written out which one it is, but literally, the last 48 hours, I'm sure you won an award. Thank you, it was actually at the end of last year. Um, oh. it, it just it came on my feed, it cheated me. I'm, I apologize, that's at the end of last year, but um, you and I always cross paths at events, so I think you're sort of a good. Um, good temperature test for, for what's in the room. You know, in the course of kind of 2022 so far, have you seen any sort of innovations or trends that have surprised you? Or, or is it kind of largely follow, you know, the kind of key themes that we'd, we'd expected to see? I just wondered if you kind of uh, had a view on that. Um, I haven't seen anything unexpected yet. Um, but having said that, it's only halfway through the year, so mm-hmm. there may be something unexpected coming out of it. But I think, you know, like the list of uh, a emerging topics and people interest is pretty much what you capture in this um, podcast. So, mm-hmm. and in um, yeah, and, and and how about you on the partnership side? Have you seen have you seen increased interest? Because um, you probably won't be able to tell me, but I, I suspect there's, you know. You've been in the business a while. You know, you've been been around. Um, have you seen activity and people kind of reaching out? Uh, whether it's kind of potential investment or potential kind of acquisition, is, is that something that's happened? Yes. Uh, funny enough, we have like kind of two uh, spectrum. We've got like smaller players that are looking for digital um, insurtech partner, 
And then we've got like mega, mega big partners like the insurance company, they're reaching out for InsurTech. Mm-hmm. So like I say, you know, like they both kind of need the uh, operational efficiency. They need tech players to be um, part of their ecosystems. So we provide that connection. Um, and I think, you know, like for people that come to us, often they have been elsewhere and get disappointed and then they come to us. Yeah. I suppose that one of the advantages there is because there's been so much kind of, um, there's been such a kind of growth in the number of insure tech providers that there's a cer- certain element of that's good for everybody. Because if, you, if you're good quality at what you do, if your tech's good, then they can go through the rounds and then you can you can rise to the top by the proof of your technology. Have you found that to kind of be a sort of virtuous circle? Has it been helpful for the amount of activity within the sector? Yes, I think rising in competition is good for the industry mm. because it's keep everyone on their toes. Um, and also it's bring uh, more interest from the VC you know, perspective into our um, industry. I like innovation only happen when you know, like people participate. Um, and with the rise of insurtech startup means that there is a lot of interest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, you know, like I will see this trend to continue in the near future. And I think we are only at the beginning of the uh, of the whole kind of innovation and digitizations. Oh, just, <laughs> just wanted to get your view on 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 that. You know, sort of following on from, mm. you know, we ha- we talked about inquiries that you've been having today um has anything surprised you you know that there, there been sort of a surprising level of interest in certain things is it following trends um i suppose and and and, and if there is nothing surprising there what what's <laughs> it what's sort of exciting you going forward where do you think there's some real opportunities because i mean just sharing my thoughts and hmm. you know david mentioned it claims technology i'm surprised we haven't seen more in the claims space because all the all the kind of top line language i hear about is customer improve the customer experience as an insurance consumer. Um, but then I see a sort of underutilization of, of, of the growth of claims technology. Now that may be because I'm doing poorly at my research and I'm not picking it up. It, it may be because people are building it in-house. Um, I don't know, but claims, for example, it seems slightly underserved from my perspective when people kind of quite often talk about being the shop window of insurance. But have there been any trends that surprise you? Is there anything new or is there anything you're excited about um, for the rest of 2022? Oh, good question, Alex. Um, yeah, there's lots of stuff I think in there. Um, in terms of trends that have surprised, I think you've highlighted half a dozen trends at the beginning of the year, and I think each of those has sort of stepped forward in different ways and different paces. Um, and I'll pick up on the embedded insurance one. Um, I think for me, that is one of the areas where <clears throat> it's not just about embedded insurance, because I think the, the, the term might is starting to get quite a lot of hype around it. But I think it's about introducing new distribution channels to, to consumers and really almost seeing insurance as a seamless aspect of that, that journey. We've certainly seen quite a lot of embedded insurance solutions being around for a few years now, um, but generally at a, I guess, quite a sort of small product basis, small value, you know, ticket insurance, travel, things like that. But it's only really been probably the last six, 12 months now, starting to hear news about most manufacturers, OEMs starting to get more involved in that sharing of data and so on. And for me, that's probably one that I'm, I'd say I'm certainly seeing as, a, as an interesting area and starting to generate quite a lot of conversation across the, uh, the clients that we work with. Um, 
and yeah, for me, then that comes on to what's really been quite exciting about what I've seen so far. And it is these, it's the incumbent insurers more willing to embrace these technology solutions. You talked about claims there, and I think that's a really key part of that value chain. Now insurers are um, less focused around bringing in consumers, um, particularly with things like the, um, the fair pricing re uh, regulation that's uh, coming to the market and so on. So we're seeing much more um, or higher uh, retention rates and so on from uh, uh, consumers and insurers. That really should be shifting insurers into focusing more around later stages of that value chain. So how do they hold on to those insure, um, How do they hold on to those customers? How do they manage those customers through claims? And a particular interest for me then is around how do they um, help prevent the impact of some claims? You can never take away claims completely, but I think using using technology to um, provide preventative, predictive, predictive data is really, really key here. And I think insurers can do more, a lot more of that over the, the coming months and years. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Can, I, um, can I jump in, Alex, on that? Because I think there are a couple, of, a couple of really interesting things, Mark, with what you said, because there's, there's one is something that we're seeing across different sectors. It's that move from protection to prevention, yeah. right? And, and I think that's, that's really fascinating. So claims absolutely has a role in that because actually what we're trying to do is keep i don't know from the health side keep people fit and healthy so they don't need to make a claim or you know from a uh, an auto perspective it's, it's so they don't have you know that collision and, and all the rest but equally like i mean there, there is some really uh, so so you know some and like flip that there, there's a real opportunity through claims to delight customers as well right so so just before traveling my dog got ill i'm assured by i've bought by many many pets now you know, and it's almost kind of that lemonade example that we read about or we heard about a few years ago, which sounded all like a load of, uh, like, you know, a great bit of PR spin of claims getting paid in X seconds. And, and it really was that. My dog got ill. We took him to the vets, got a receipt, photoed it, sent it, like uploaded it to the app, and I got paid immediately. It's like, you know, so that kind of straight through processing as an enablement technology to make that happen. Mm. I mean, you know, I suddenly loved making a claim. I mean, who, who would have thought, right? You know, ideally, yes, my dog wouldn't have got ill, but he's a retriever. He was going to, you know, he, he was going to eat that anyway, right? It was, was going to happen. But it's, um, but it's, you know, if, if we can, you know, all like tractable getting a, you know, so I really love the fact that kind of European startups are scaling so well and now moving into other territories and stuff. That really excites me as the, you know, uh, a, a UK resident. And, you know, seeing like being able to walk around my car and take a kind of video image and, and for the parts to be forward ordered ahead of like saving me two weeks of kind of that journey of getting my car fixed, uh, you know, to, to, the, um, to the kind of part supply. I mean, that's really clever, clever stuff, right? And that's all kind of encapsulated within the claims experience. So, so I think there is some really smart tech in play out there. Um, could it be more? Yeah, I'm absolutely sure it could. But, but I think there's lots of good stuff and I think lots of stuff to focus on. But absolutely moving, so back to Mark's point, moving in for that kind of from protection to prevention. Mm. So actually we're moving away from that kind of claims uh, player tool. I think it's uh, e even bigger uh, and even more important. Yeah, I have to agree completely. Matt. I think there's, there's so many technology solutions coming to market that are utilizing data effectively that we really need to see more of that coming into the insurance industry and embedding itself within the incumbent insurers and not just for a, a, a point solution around claims, but also how does that, that uh, how can that technology be used, be thought about in a different way 
to help um, customers and potentially some of that behavioral change from a customer perspective to minimize the impact of claims all the way through. It's really, it's that kind of, that phrase of insurance having your back really, it should be all the way through as opposed to just at that point of, of claim. Yeah, and just to add to what Matt and Mark were saying around um, prevention, I think, you know, technology have gone so far now, especially the, the, uh, the use of AI in insurance space that um, if you have like uh, data, um, you can actually work out exactly what the customer needs. A classic example, by the way, um, Google have, you know, compiling all this data, search um, data. Uh, you can actually, based on customer search, a keyword, you can work out exactly what happened to that person. So, for example, you know, like a teenager may looking at, you know, oh, I'm, I'm having a morning sick, you know, my stomach is swollen. It could be that she's in the early stage of pregnancy, which she herself may not be aware of. So there's a lot of that usage. And imagine if you translate that into insurance space, suddenly, ah, insurance. <laughs> um, and, you know, like even cancer, you know, like in the uh, health sector, this is, could be used to uh, predict what is happening uh, with your uh, customer at the point when they buy insurance. So this is very important fact that we, the technology is there, but it hasn't really quite transferred into insurance space yet. I think I think as a general trend as well that, that isn't on there that that this all speaks to is 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 coming back to kind of reimagining that customer experience and that customer journey yeah. and I think it's one thing that insurance used to basically say that yeah it's a backstop mm. for your worst case situation um, and we're now going as consumers we're, we're in a world where we go well that's not enough you know like and, and Matt's exactly right delight your customer I think it's something that we haven't taken enough of advantage of. I mean, it's taken another industry, the, the recruitment industry, the one that I know well, the one thing that I frustrate and agitate about all the time is actually you've got to treat people that are coming into your business as having a customer journey, but we don't. We go, well, we advertise jobs and kind of the attitude of they're lucky to have one. Well, what's actually happened in the pandemic if we, we've gone, our people are our lifeblood, they're everything. We now need to look after them. And culturally, we've changed that dynamic. I think insurance is going for its own journey as well to say, okay, uh, yes, we need to provide the security that we will pay. We need to have transparency about what those conditions are. Um, but there's so many opportunities to engage, you know, like my motor insurer doesn't send me anything about my driving, but it could, it doesn't send me anything about my, where I park. Is there a better place to park? Is there, you know, is, there's, there's a myriad of things that you could do, but, but Matt's perfect example is the claims technologies where I've, you know, I've had a crash in my car and, you know, it's automatically ahead of time, booked me into a, a garage. And, and, and those sort of delightful experiences are, that's the key thing for me, the trend that's emerged, maybe not this year, but over the last kind of two years, 18 months is let's reimagine what the customer journey is for all customers within the insurance industry. And let's utilize the technologies that give them the best experience um, because they're going to buy insurance. It's, it's, but it's, they've got to buy it from an experience standpoint. Um, and that's highlighted when you look at different areas because we, we had a business from Brazil on the Brazilian market is not mandated to have motor insurance. So you only buy it if it's worth buying. Whereas in the UK, we buy it and we buy on price typically um, because we have to have it. But but there's nothing to stop you buying because it's just the best customer experience. But we, we seem to be having that battle now. Yeah, yeah to, certainly. I think uh, you know, as we move move ahead in the next five years, it's it's pretty clear insurers have to add value. 
you know, you, you can no longer just be an entity that pays claims. You have to be having that that edge there where you're delighting your customers and and making and if you're in commercial insurance, you're making the business a better business. You 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 know you're acting as an advisor and as as a um, you know you're doing more than just paying the claims, basically. Yeah, yeah. I think from the claim standpoint, I imagine as um, customer myself, I want a technology that would detect when the claim should be made on my behalf. So let's say if I have a heart attack, you know, I, I want to trigger a health claim. <laughs> or if my flight delay, I want to trigger, uh, you know, travel claims insurance, for example, without me having to feel informed. So that's what I would like to see in the claim space. Then, and that's almost kind of touching on the parametric side of things, right? Which is uh, another big old trend that um, I was just acutely aware that I might still be on mute. Luckily, I'm not time um but yeah you know it's a big old trend that's that's still kicking around uh this year and that we're seeing still plenty of interest and investment into as well you know that that flight delay one is it's a classic example and um yeah and, and a real pain um but if you know and, and it's the same you know we get back to the the climate change and sustainability alex to one of your earlier trends you know it's 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 a big play in that right it's you know if if the flood should go above this level an immediate payout is made and you know flood flash and and a bunch of others have got some great um case studies around you know how they're able to support communities by paying out so very rapidly so they can actually you know rehouse themselves protect themselves and you know and all the rest with that you know with that new uh cash available so um you know rather than sort of be skinned for three months and you know desperately fighting your insurer for a payout Mm. Yeah, and I think parametrics are another one that, that I, I was really unaware of parametrics until a couple of years ago. And then and as soon as I heard it, I just thought, even from a consumer perspective and with my business owner hat on as well, is that that is the solution to most of my problems. But it is a, an acute solution to a failure that we, we've long is long been acknowledged in, in, in insurance, which is you know flood or you know, business interruption. Businesses go under before they can get the payout to, to get back on their feet. So it's it's closing that feedback loop and it's changing that customer journey um, at all levels. And I think David David's point was exactly right as well because I think what what we're starting to see now is people care at a commercial level, um, you know, commercial insurance. Whereas previously, a lot of the kind of innovation came in on either personal lines or health um, because it's, it's it, I don't know if it's more discreet. It's 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 it's, it's you know it's lower risks. Maybe it's kind of easier to adopt. It's easier to change. Um, but we're really now seeing that kind of innovation in both commercial insurance and, and, and also even in reinsurance now. You're, like reinsurance is kind of the, the highest part of the value chain and therefore it's been the slowest to get to it. But that's been exciting to see that this year. Um, I'm really conscious of time, so we don't want to we don't want to go on. But I want, I want you all to have a last parting kind of word. Um, what are you excited about for the rest of 2022? And, you, and I'm happy that you do a shameless plug for your own business as well in terms of what you're excited about and what you're getting involved with. Um, and then that gives me an excuse to do mine as well. So I can, I can do that. So um, David's come furthest for the journey. Oh no, probably Matt today. I don't know. Uh, but we'll start with David. Uh, David, what are you excited about for the rest of 2022? Uh, I mean, just as a CEO of the company and just uh, building the business every day. I'm just really excited to, to continue on our growth path, um, continue to prove out our value proposition and add value to the customers that we're working with. I've got a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things going on economically in the country over here in the United States um, that we'll see progress over the next 12 months. But 
Um, fortunately for us, you know, we're supporting the core businesses over here, manufacturing, agriculture, construction, um, which, you know, all perform core, core, you know, functions in the economy. And so we're, we're just so lucky and happy to be working with these businesses and, um, you know, helping them retain workers, helping them complete their jobs and, and continue to, you know, provide food and do things that, that we need to do and that insurance uh, performs a core, you know, a core, core task in, in supporting. So um, really excited to be building out the businesses and supporting those core industries that, you know, through some potentially difficult, difficult times. Thanks, David. Um, Dandana, what, what's, what's, what's exciting for you? What innovations are you excited about or what's, what's happening at Tapley that you want to share for the rest of 2022? Um, for those who doesn't know, um, Tapley uh, provide API cloud-based technology solution for insurance company. And part of what we do is to build that uh, data first insure tech ecosystems that we can you know, help our partner connecting with each other. Um, we obviously very exciting about continue developing this because we believe this is the future. Um, and that's why, you know, we're going to be uh, bringing more exciting partners into this uh, um, uh, network and ecosystems. And hopefully it would benefit both the um, incumbents, but as well as the customer at large. Thank you. Um, Matt, well, you've got you've got loads going on, and, and, and like I say, with timely today, you're, you're partnering with uh, with Lloyd's Lab. Um, what's 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 exciting for for Sonar and, and related businesses twenty twenty two? Yeah, I mean it's it is it's going absolutely brilliantly uh, from a business perspective. I mean, like the cliche of you know the the kind of bottom of the hockey stick growth, you know that kind of it really feels like that for us. So I think it's globally we're seeing a, an enormous interest in the insure tech space or maybe the, just the startup and innovation space um, to, to not want to narrow it too much and a, I think with the climate change that we're going to see sorry climate change with the economic climate change we're going to see over the next 6-12 months um, I think what will become extra important is being able to separate the weed from the chaff and be able to really focus in on which are the startups that we should be uh, partnering with predominantly investing, maybe acquiring, um, and, and how on earth do we get to them? How do we evaluate them? And I think that will only put us as Sonar in a, a stronger position to help our clients uh, around the world. So yeah, I mean, super exciting. Um, yeah, and super good fun as well. So let's Thank see. You. Yeah, and, and, and Mark, Altus Consulting, um, yeah, what's, what's happening for, with, with you guys for the rest of 2022? Yeah, similar to Matt in a way, we, we've got a, we've got a huge amount of growth at the moment, really bringing on some, some strong new clients for us. And for me personally, that's, that's really, really exciting because of the type of work that we do, able to sit and work on both sides of the fence with the clients and with um, InsureTechs. So helping our clients identify and, and figure out how they change their their business and get it ready and fit for the future, but then also which technologies are out there and helping them work with and identify the right technologies so they're really strongly positioned into, their, um, into that market. And then flipping that around on the other side, just discovering new insurtechs for me and, and looking at the different solutions that are out there and, and seeing some of those trends evolve over time and, and really come to market with, with something that is valuable for both uh, insurers and for customers alike. Thanks, Mark. 
And um, yeah, at, at Tim Pride, we're, we're, we're very much the same as you. We're very excited about the new insure techs that are coming in. But I think, you know, we're starting to do much more in the incumbent market and um, you know, had inquiries about, Alex, do you know how to build an algorithmic trading team to go into our insurance carrier? That's been quite exciting and, and, and building out those innovation functions and having them have seemingly more meaningful conversations and meaningful budgets. So I think it's a really exciting time, but it's a very different changing economic climate as we've kind of all acknowledged. Um, thank you so much for being part of this kind of 2022 mid-year review. Um, it was it was brave of you to come on and kind of share your opinions because I think it's, it's easy to sit on the sidelines and not give your opinions on record. So I thank you all for doing that um, and really appreciate you being part of the first kind of panel-led um, leadership and insurance podcast. So thank you, Matt, Jantana, David, Mark. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Thanks Thank you. As always, this podcast is brought to you by FinPro Search Partners, often simply known as FinPro. FinPro is an executive recruitment business working in the insurance and insure tech space on an international basis. If you would like to find out more about FinPro, please visit our website, www.wearefinpro.com or our FinPro company page on LinkedIn. I've been your host, Alex Bond, and I would personally love to connect with anyone who is interested in the changing world of insurance. So feel free to reach out to me directly, um, either on LinkedIn or via my email, uh, alex at wearefinpro.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and I hope to see you back next week. Thank you.